to finish this message that I start today. And I believe as I progress in the message this morning, you will understand the value and the power of not my message, but of the truth that I will be sharing with you this morning and next Sunday. I've had a, I've had a little bit of a difficulty putting this together because I keep seeing scriptures that I get excited about and I say, well, wait a minute, I, that needs to be next Sunday, not today. So I've, I've, I've kind of helped myself this morning. I put all those scriptures in a different place. So I wouldn't get off on them today, but, but next Sunday I'm going to tell you how in the very last part of the book of Revelation, the scripture speaks of the tree of life. Amen. And I'm going to tell you how we are living in that tree of life every day, today as we live. Now, for my message today. The message of the Christmas tree. If you have your Bible, turn with me, please, to Luke chapter 2, verse 12. I read that scripture this morning in the opening of the service. I'll read it again for you momentarily. And then also, when you put your finger in your Bible there, turn over to Galatians chapter 3. Galatians is a very easy book to find. After 1st and 2nd Corinthians, there it is. It just pops right up. So, so Galatians, Ephesians, and Colossians, Philippians, that's where it is. So, Luke chapter 2, verse 12. And this shall be a sign unto you. Ye shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. Galatians chapter 3, verse 12. Actually, verse 13. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us, for it is written, Cursed is everyone that hangs on on a tree. Father, today, may your Holy Spirit guide us as we look at truth that we may not have ever explored quite in this same way before. Give us understanding, illuminate our minds, open our hearts that we may receive, accept, and believe the power that you share with us today, that power resident in Jesus, the babe of Bethlehem, in Jesus the Christ of Calvary, and Jesus the Christ of the empty tomb. Minister to us today, Lord, in the power of your Holy Spirit, in Jesus' name, amen. 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 The shepherds were in the field, tending to their flock, doing the ordinary routine things. They had no expectation of anything unusual happening, and suddenly there was an angel that appeared to them. And the, same, and the angel said, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And the, there was a multitude of the angelic host that came and joined in the chorus. And, 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 and beyond that, 
the angels said to them, if you go to Bethlehem and, and, you, and you follow the leading to the, to the Christ, you will find him and this will be a sign to you. This is how you will recognize him. You will find him wrapped in swaddling clothes, the blankets of infancy, and lying in a manger. Now, there weren't too many babies in Bethlehem lying in mangers. Most of them were in cribs, if there were others there. Others were in their homes, safe and secure. The baby Jesus was in an animal stable where his mother and Joseph had spent the night before and, and, and Jesus had been born. They wrapped him as the infant to keep him warm and they put him in the manger and the shepherds were told by the angels, you will go and find him in the manger. They said to each other, let us go to Bethlehem and see this wonderful thing that we have been told has come to pass. And so they went into the little village of Bethlehem. Led, I'm sure, by the Spirit of the Lord, they came to the right stable. They, they came in. And you've seen the tableau many times of the shepherds with their shepherd's crook, bowing, covered in their shepherd's garb before the manger and worshiping the baby Jesus. And I think it was something like that. They came in, they bowed before him to worship him because the angel had said, you'll find him lying in a manger. What is the significance of a Christmas tree in a manger? I'm preaching about a Christmas tree this morning. Well, here it is. A manger is a trough made for the feeding of the animals. Usually it didn't have a baby in there. Usually it had straw, hay, maybe even grain sometimes if there was enough money for it. But it was food for the animals that were there in the stable. They came up to the feeding trough, to that manger, to eat their food. In this case, however, there wasn't any other crib for the baby Jesus, so they wrapped him up and laid him in a manger. They didn't have anywhere else to put him other than just on the ground. So they put him in the manger. Now, a manger, as I said, is a trough. So a manger had to be made out of... It had to be made either of wood or of stone. Sometimes it was said that the trough would be carved out of a stone and the animals would come up to eat it. In this case, because of it being in Bethlehem, it's more likely that it was made by a carpenter. I won't connect Jesus being a carpenter with that. That's too far an extrapolation maybe. But made by a carpenter. And here's the trough made of wood. This manger, this trough, is the result of a tree. Somewhere, some tree had been cut down. It had been made into building parts. And some carpenter had made it into a manger. So the first resting place of Jesus was in a tree. Admittedly, a transformed tree, but in a tree. You know... It, in that day, there wasn't any simulated wood, so it had to be real. They had to, it had to make it from a tree. There wasn't any wood to make it from. And, and it's also true that, the, that the, the Israelites always used certain kinds of wood. In fact, God specified specific 
kinds of woods for certain things that they built. In the tabernacle, just as one example, the altar was made out of a specific wood. And over that wood, it was covered with brass. There were horns put on the altar. It's very clearly, specifically described how the altar was designed and what it was to be made of. And the base of the altar where sacrifices were made was wood from a tree. So here is Jesus lying in the manger, lying in the result of a tree. I want to go further with that to make it clear to you that I'm not just... uh, that I'm not just pulling things out of unreality. See, this pulpit or lectern was a tree at some because it's real wood. Let's say I believe it's real wood. <laughs> and if it is real wood, it was made from a tree. <laughs> Should have checked that out ahead of time. <laughs> Never occurred to me. All right, so... So this table, this table was a tree. Somebody took the tree, cut it, made it into building material, put it together as a table, put that on. It wasn't always a communion table. It was a tree. The manger was a tree, just like possibly this lectern was, just like this table was, like other things that we see around us. A tree turned into something else, but still a tree nevertheless. So the baby Jesus is lying in the result of a tree. And on Christmas, we have decided that the real symbol of Christmas is a tree. It isn't, it, this tree isn't decorated intentionally. Do what? It, it, it is not made of wood, and this is not genuine fur. But for our purposes today, it's a tree. I haven't even seen a real tree, and well, it doesn't matter. We've got, we've, got a, we've got a tree that's about 18 feet tall that we did not put up this year. I think we just got tired of it. We put it up for years and years and years. But if it were a tree to cut out of the forest... I could have only used it one time. Anyway, back to the reality of what we're talking about. So so Jesus was laid in the product of a tree. Now, on and on and on, there is a tree in the message of Jesus in the Gospels. You will find him all the way through, all along. You will find him constantly for three and a half years telling his disciples that he must be taken by sinful men. He will be, he will be persecuted. He will be beaten. He will be uh, uh, finally, finally killed by their hands. He does not tell them that it will be hanging on a cross, on a tree, if you will. But he tells them all of these things are going to happen. And the method of execution in that day of Jesus was the primary, let's put it this way. They might execute people in other ways, but when they really wanted to make it a heinous execution, it was always a crucifixion. So so Jesus lived a life in the shadow of a tree, and we look at this tree not not because of where it may have started. 
you know, I know that there are, there, there are pagan emanations that come in. You, you, can find, you can find traces of Christianity in all kinds of paganism because they tried to adapt and copy and, 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 and use it. But the point of the matter is this. There is a tree that is a shadow over the life of Jesus from the beginning of His time in this world as a baby in Bethlehem all the way through up until the time that He died on the cross and fulfilled what the word of the Lord said back in Deuteronomy, which is quoted by the Apostle Paul in the book of Galatians, that says, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us, for it is written, and this is what comes from Deuteronomy, it is written, cursed is everyone that hangs on a tree. This tree is not a celebration of adornment. This tree is a celebration of sacrifice. This tree is a declaration of giving. Now, we give at Christmas. Over and over, we, we, all, we, give, we give too much. We, we extend ourselves with our giving. But the important thing is this. Christmas is about giving. It is about giving. This tree is the message of giving. Because the Bible says, God so loved the world... That he gave. He gave. God is a giver. And the greatest gift, the Bible says, that his greatest gift is the unspeakable gift of Jesus Christ to us. A gift beyond our declaration, beyond our explanations, beyond our ability to declare, beyond all of our declarations, Jesus Christ given as the gift of God for our salvation because he died on a tree for our salvation. Amen. And, so, and so God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. God is a giver. You will never be any more like God than when you practice genuine Christian agape love or when you practice genuine, unselfish, committed, spiritual giving. Because God is love and God is a giver. And that's testified to in the manger and at the cross. That God is love. How could God love us so much that He would send His only begotten Son. Who was with Him before the beginnings of time in the prior extensions of eternity, before we knew the beginning of the ages, He was with the Father. That's what John chapter 1 verse 1 says. In the beginning was the Word. In the beginning. Where is the beginning? Long before we know. Not, not Genesis chapter 1. Long before that. Long before that. When God was creating the earth. When God was hanging stars in the heaven. When God was declaring the moon would be the light by night and the sun the light by day. When God was making all of the preparation for all of His creation to be able to live and walk and fellowship with Him, the sun was right there with Him in all of that activity, in all of that creation. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. The Word Christ Jesus, 
The revelation of God in the Word was with Him in the beginning. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. So God, in the form of a baby, uh, this is... This is, this is not what the world understands. It's difficult for us sometimes in our comprehension to grasp it. But God, God was there in Bethlehem, in that stable, in that manger, in the form of a helpless infant, the baby Jesus, who became known as Jesus of Nazareth. The God, at eventually, he was declared in the Scripture to be the God-man. But here on this, on this night and on this morning in Bethlehem, he's actually the God-baby. He's actually fully and completely and totally and absolutely God who needs to be fed at the breast of his mother, who needs to be cared for, by others who wrapped him for warmth in swaddling clothes, who needs to be protected by them as the, as the Spirit of God warned them to flee from the wrath of Herod and told them when they could return and come to a place after the birth in Bethlehem some few years later to be able to bring them back to dwell in Nazareth. God needing in the form of a baby, in the form of a child, in the form of a young man, needing the help of those whom God had put there to take care of himself. It's a fascinating, deep, powerful, spiritual mystery that is a part of our faith which says if God does this, God will do things that we do not know. God may do things that we do not understand. God will do things beyond our human comprehension. But He will do them. He will do them because He always has. He came and He was born in Bethlehem as the prophet said He would be. He was exactly the fulfillment of the prophecies of God's Word. And in so being, He became the, the Lord Jesus who ministered, who suffered, and who died on a tree. Christmas is about giving. But it's mostly about Jesus, God the Father, giving to us. Giving to us the message, the plan, the perfection of His salvation for us to live in Him. To live in him. There was a time when, when uh, this, was, this, this idea of hanging on a tree... It's not a popular thing to speak about for your Savior, for your Master, for your leader. And yet when, when Peter and the apostles were taken by the uh, council in Jerusalem and charged, at, after they were found preaching, they'd been told not to preach, they were found preaching again. They brought them into the council. They said, we told you not to preach anymore in this name. And Peter, speaking for them, said, whether it's right in the sight of God to hearken unto you more than unto God, you will have to judge. But the fact is, we cannot speak anything but what we have seen and heard. And then he went on to say to them, The God of our fathers raised Jesus, whom you killed by hanging on a tree. The most ignominious death that could be declared for the worst of criminals, 
Jesus died that death on the cross. And that is a part of the message, only part of it. But it is a significant part of the message of the Christmas tree to us because this is a message about giving. And God gave His Son willing to have Him hang in ignominy and shame on a tree because that was the scourge of the world when people looked at that. All of his disciples, saw, seeing that this was going to happen, were ashamed, embarrassed. I don't think they fled just because of fear. I think they knew finally time had come that the, the, the religious leaders had caught up with him and were going to do what they planned to do for a long time. They were going to kill him. And they knew that in killing him, they were going to kill him in the most ignominious way they could. And so here he is. Here he is being arrested. And they flee from him. Because the shadow of that cross in its shame is an embarrassment. And that is what many people find when they look to the cross today. There are people who do not want to come to this cross. Oh, they, they'll, they'll come to a Christmas tree. They'll enjoy the Christmas tree. They'll look at the lights and the, the decorations, the bells and the bangles and say, oh, oh, how wonderful that is. But when this tree becomes a cross... When this tree becomes what it really is, the message of the cross, there are many people who cannot handle that. Then it's a different thing. For the preaching of the cross, the preaching of the tree, is to them that perish foolishness. That's what the world looks at. It's an embarrassment. It's a disgrace. It's a shame. It's foolishness. But Paul goes on to say the Corinthian, to the Corinthians, But unto us who are saved, it is the power of God. The preaching of the cross is the wisdom of God, the power of God. While the world may say it's foolishness and weakness, God says that it is wisdom and power. Amen. So Peter said, He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree. Do you know that more, more times in the New Testament, it is, it is referred to Jesus dying on a tree more frequently than it is referred to His dying on a cross. Because a cross was just the extension and the expression of the tree. To build the cross, they needed lumber. They needed trees. I don't know how smooth it was done. It doesn't matter. It's just like that cross standing back there against that wall. They had to build a cross to crucify him. And to build a cross, they had to have a tree to do it. So the tree, always, from the beginning to the end, is a shadow over the life and ministry and service of Jesus. And up to the very time of his sacrificial, sacrificial death, that tree is there declaring that God, that tree constantly declares that God is a giver. It constantly declares that God is love. Even when his disciples and the people around did not understand what was happening, it was still the expression of God's love which would be fulfilled and declared to us and, helped and, and given to our understanding when it came to knowledge that Jesus Christ had left the cross and that he had left the tomb. He didn't just leave the cross, he left the tomb. So, he himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree, is what Peter said. He bore our sins in his body on the tree, that we might die to sin and live to righteousness, for by his wounds we have been healed. 
Hallelujah. Praise God. You know, I, there are a lot of old songs that I, I, I've heard and known and sung for so many years. And even if I haven't heard them for a long time, I still know the words to a lot of, a lot of old songs. <laughs> maybe you're the same way. Or maybe you're not old enough to be that way. It doesn't matter. <laughs> there are just some things that, 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 I, that I stress become powerful to me. And I'm so thankful that I do know them because then they're at, there are at times that I just, I can hear the words of a wonderful song, and it's a strengthening and empowering. Just like as I was getting ready for this, I kept hearing, I kept hearing those words. Was it for crimes that I had done? He groaned upon the tree. Amazing pity, grace unknown, and love beyond degree. And then the song goes on to say, at the cross, at the cross, where I first saw the light. And you could easily say, at the tree, at the tree, because that's the scriptural term of the New Testament. At the tree, at the tree, where I first saw the light, and the burdens of my heart rolled away. It was there by faith, not at this tree, but at the tree. Not at a Christmas tree, but at the tree of Calvary. It was there by faith I received my sight. And now I am happy all day. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The shepherds came. They came into Bethlehem. They came to the manger. They bowed down before the manger. They didn't worship the manger. They worshiped the babe in the manger. We come to the cross. We bow down at the cross. We do not worship the cross. We worship the Christ who died on the cross. And whose death on the cross was vindicated by rising from the dead. By coming forth walking out of that tomb in the light. Not in the darkness of death. But in the brilliant light of everlasting life that he has brought to give to us and share with us. He died on the cross and rose from the dead. So that we can receive the greatest gift that has ever been given for any Christmas of any time. And that gift is the salvation of the Lord Jesus Christ to all who will believe. Hallelujah. Glory to God. That's the message of the Christmas tree. The message is the tree is the cross. And the cross is a place of giving. I believe that it's appropriate to say too that it's a place of being, uh, 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 for us to give because if Jesus has given so much for us, as you know, and I know you agree with me that he has, if he's given so much for us, why would we not give everything to him? Isn't he deserving? Isn't he deserving of all that we can bring to him? Deserving of the surrender of our lives and our giving up to him? I believe he is. I believe he is. It, it, Christmas, is Christmas is about a tree. But it isn't about that tree. Nor it isn't necessarily about that tree. But it is about the tree that it is declared to be the curse for one who hangs on it. And Jesus hung on that cross 
for you and me. He hung on that tree. Cursed as everyone hangs on a tree. He was cursed for us. But then, out of that cursing for sin, when He became sin for us, out of that cursing placed upon sin, He became the righteousness of God in His resurrection. And that righteousness He visits upon every one of us. And that righteousness He puts in every one of us when we make our surrender and we make our yielding and we come to Him saying, I bring you the only thing that I can bring you, Lord. I bring you Myself. I give you all that I am and all that I ever shall be. I give you all my hopes and aspirations, dreams and desires, plans and schemes. I bring everything, Lord, my present and my future. I bring my past. I bring my present. I bring what is ahead. And I lay it all at the foot of the tree. I lay it all at the foot of the cross. I declare that this is what I give up. What? I give up my all because you gave up your all for me. <laughs> oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Praise God. Bow with me in prayer, please. As you bow with me in prayer, I'm going to ask you to... Uh, if you are here this morning and you may need to, you may really need to make Jesus your Savior or, or perhaps you just you need to make a rededication to Him. I'm going to ask you to think about that.